Learn Persian with Chai and Conversation. Growing Up Iruni interview with Aryan Moayed. Salam behamigi. My name is Leila Shams. I'm host and creator of Learn Persian with Chai and Conversation. I'm so excited to share with you all my conversation with Emmy Award-nominated actor Aryan Moayed. He really needs no introduction, but you've probably seen him as Stewie on Succession, Keon on Love Life, Lawyer Todd on Inventing Anna, or in the new Ms. Marvel series. Really, he's been everywhere, it seems, the past couple of years. But as you'll hear in the interview, his current success is the result of a couple decades of passionate work. I came away from this conversation with an incredible amount of inspiration and excitement for the future, both for the future of theater as a force for positive change and for the future of the Iranian diaspora in general. Also, I learned that Aryan and I share the same mantra as the basis for our work. He for his project, Waterwell Theater, and me for Chai and Conversation. We get into that in detail in the conversation. Super excited for you all to hear this episode. Enjoy. Very cool. But I feel like you've been a fixture in our house for the past many months. I'm sure you hear that all the time. <laughs> but it's good. Funny but true, yeah. It's good to finally talk to you. And I've been having a um, succession withdrawal. I, I need it so badly. <laughs> when is it? When is it coming back? When is succession coming back? I have no idea. But we okay. start shooting very, very soon. Okay, I can't wait. <laughs> it's we're going to shoot and then um yeah, there's not much we can really say Leila Jun. So, all we okay. can say right now is it's going to start shooting soon and it's going to be amazing. Okay, good, good, good. Then we'll leave it at that. Um, but I've read a lot of interviews with you, so I'm very excited to do this because I've read a lot of interviews and you often mention that you're Iranian, you're an Iranian actor, but they kind of brush it off. I feel like you've kind of transcended the Iranian thing. It's not something that comes up as a, a big part of your interviews. So I'm excited to ask you more about that, about your background, your upbringing, and uh, what led you to do what you're doing today. So let's get right into it. So where were you born, first of all? I was born in Tehran in 1980. The year after the revolution. Yeah, a little, it's a little bit, I'm sure for many Iranians, might there might be some similarities here, but I think it, to jump in like right there in the conversation, it's, you know, how these histories go. They're just so particular and familiar, but also very, how do you describe it? Very specific. Um, and in, in our scenarios that my mom and my dad got, were in an arranged marriage at a very young age. Wow. Okay. And had three kids by the age of 18. 18, which at that time period was like not that common, right? Very uncommon. Yeah. Right. And, um, and then I was born when my mom was 35. So I have two brothers and a sister. They're 17, 18, and 20 years older than me. So in in the midst of, um, the revolution that was happening, what was also happening is that my oldest brother, Amir was already studying in the States in the seventies. Okay. So in some ways you're an only child. I am, but I'm not because my brothers and, 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 and my sister are very a part of my family. Okay. okay. And they treat me like a... (laughs) Like a young brother. And then, so Amir, my oldest brother, yeah, he, he was in the, in the 70s. He was in the States in college. And then my other brother, Omid, fought in the Iran-Iraq war for 
two years. And then we uh, got over, we all kind of got over in 1986. And we, we lived in Dubai for a second and back in Iran and Dubai, you know, that kind of story. And then we moved to Chicago where my brother was going to school, where there are very little Iranians. And we grew up in Chicago. And then the, the last part of that story is that my sister, Homera, in the midst of those first six years in Iran trying to get out, my sister fell in love and got married. And she ended up having to stay until 2003 because the moment we landed, they closed the door. Wow. Okay. So what did your parents do? What did they do in Iran? And then what did they do in Chicago? My mom in Iran was basically, a, a, um, I mean, not basically, it was the hardest thing job in the world. <laughs> She was basically at home taking care of the kids. And, and my dad, even though he, both my parents had very little education growing up, my dad flipped it all around and by 30 went to college. And then he, yeah, and uh, ended up actually going about six months in college in London at a banking college. And he worked for Bancamelli um, for about 10 years. Okay, wow. And then in the United States? In the United States, it was harder for both my family members to kind of put things together. So my mom became our breadwinner and okay. she basically was in childcare. And so we would have, she would work at a childcare center, Gertrude Nielsen Childcare and Learning Center. And then at home, she would nanny a bunch of kids at home as well. Wow. My dad amazing. was really trying to make it work. You know, in that America, you know, we came, my parents also didn't speak English when we got here. And right. like I said, education was like that. My dad got it later. My mom never even you know, got through the, went through it all. And so, so in a way I became the translator of the household. And like you said, as an only child, my sister was in Iran. One brother was here. One, another brother just got like, everyone was like scattered. And so immediately my entire life became very Iranian and very, as a translator of not just our family, but other families that would near be nearby. And and really became that person until maybe about 30 minutes ago when my mom, <laughs> my mom needed some help downloading Disney Plus. <laughs> Layla same Jen. thing. Yeah, same thing. Didn't work. Didn't work. <laughs> okay, well, so in 1986, when you moved here, what was your, uh, as you were growing up, you said there's not a lot of Iranian community in Chicago. So what was your relationship with Iranian culture growing up? And did you still speak Persian growing up? I'm just going to reiterate, my parents didn't speak English. And right. they got here in their 40s. So right. with a completely, for the first time, trying to figure it out was, was it would be, I'm 42. My mom was 42 when she came to the States. I'm 42 right now. So right. like imagining if I jumped into, let's say, you know, South Korea and tried to, I mean, I would not be able to do it. Right. <laughs> I, I know myself. And so in a way, it was only Iranian culture that we had. And also my parents are huge, like many Iranians, are huge nationalists. They're really, they weren't nationalists in the sense that they were Shah believers necessarily, but they were nationalists in the fact that they believed in Iran. Right. And they believe in the culture and the power and the kindness and the smarts of Iranian people and Persian culture. So I not only grew up with that, it's like in inside of my every ounce of DNA, like even in this room I'm sitting in, I can literally show every piece of Iranian piece on every portion of this wall. It, to me, the reality of me even sounding the way that I sound mm -hmm. was, a, was the little Iranians that were in Chicago and the little Iranian community that was there, including my family, were really scared about being Iranian in the 80s. I mean, I'm not going to 
how's that any other way? That's what it was. It was just yeah. a fear. My brother was a taxi cab driver and I, my brother that was in college. They're all very successful. I just also want to say my brother Omid is an anesthesiologist. He fought two years later. Wow. On he, <laughs> um, he's actually the dean of anesthesiology at Howard University. So your parents got the doctor. They got a doctor. That's why I can do this. Yeah, exactly. That's why I can do this. And my other brother is a banker and and an entrepreneur and doing well. My sister came in the States and she just became a grandmother and I became a Hyundai. A Hyundai? I I haven't even heard that. Okay. We say Doijun, but okay. Doijun, yeah. (laughs) So anyway, all this to say is that Iranian portions of my life and my my parents only spoke Farsi to to this day. I mean, they, they only speak Farsi. So understanding of it was really a big portion of what was happening. And also the other big thing about it was, like I said, like there was a fear of saying Iran. There was a fear of saying all those things. And I think in Los Angeles, I think maybe, maybe many people turn that into Persian maybe, but in, in Chicago, we weren't, I mean, we didn't do that. And so there was a real pressure I felt from our Persian elders that they wanted us to succeed and become as American as possible as soon as possible which I'm sure is a story that is resonates with a lot of immigrant communities. Right. But that didn't translate to in the house, like in the house, it sounds like y'all were very Iranian and had very like Nowruz and had all that kind of stuff. All of it. So it wasn't like you were trying to hide it and assimilate in the household. No, not at all. In the household, it was Iran town. And on Fridays and Saturdays, every, almost every Friday or Saturday, the Iranians that were in Chicago would come over to our house or we go over to their house. Right. And, and the food and the, and the food and, and the tarof and the, all of it, like every portion of it is embedded in my every being. And I think so much of it translates, even though maybe people don't see it on the exterior, but I think all of my characters are Iranian. They, I kind of try to make all my characters Iranian anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there is, I learned. And also one more, one more thing I want to say is that when we came here, we also didn't have a lot of funds. Our money was tied up in my in the retirement system in Iran, in Toman, and like yeah. and we had to translate it and bring it over. And then we couldn't bring it over because of the sanction. And the exchange rate. And the exchange rate kept, I mean, you know, half to man, half to man Buddha. They always used to yeah. say, like back in the day it was seven, uh, seven to man to a dollar. Mm-hmm. Now it's in the tens of thousands, I believe. And all this to say is that is that when we got here, there was also a lack of resources. But my family, honestly, luck of the draw, we grew up in a a North Chicago area called Andersonville. And then, but we moved to this like rather predominantly rich neighborhood in Northbrook, Illinois. But we lived in the apartment complexes on the other side of the highway with all of the black, brown and immigrant families that lived in that neighborhood. And so I got another sense of the world through that. And really my, I really mean this, my Iranian like the 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 way that they took care of people was apparent in all of these other groups of people that were not Iranian. And I right. witnessed that culturally, which I think is oftentimes not realized as a real kind of beautiful trait of what we have. We always serve it. We always try to serve others in some sort of way. Right, right. And so then what about your like integrating life? Like how were you in school and were you like, I do feel like you're very Iranian and it comes up all the time and you wear your you wear your ish shirt during the Marvel uh, premiere and everything. So then it was that how you were in school as well? Were you very vocal about being Iranian? That was not the case for me growing up. There was just too much fear about all of that, to be Interesting. honest. Interesting. Okay. It was just a little bit too much. 
I think my parents to this day have this fear that something might happen or they might, you know, even though we're American citizens and all these things, there's just that, that we grew up with a lot more fear than that, I think. Yeah, which we went is... through war. We escaped. We had kind of no funds. We have no family here, really. We're the only family on my mom and dad's side. My uncle's aunts, that's made it in the United States. The only right. one. And, you know, six or seven here, six or seven here. Like, so we were really isolated. So there was a very, whether it was conscious or subconscious, I feel like there was a very big push to really just be careful more yes. than anything else. I don't know how I feel about that when I say that right now, to be honest with you, um, because right. it really kind of breaks my heart slightly. But I also kind of do remember a little bit of a necessity of just, you know, just be careful, be careful out there a little bit, whether it was real or not real. That's what was in my family. So, no, it was only in the household. You know, I, I mean this also embarrassingly, but truthfully, I, I, I can't even remember outside of the, the, you know, the community of Salem Walk, which was black, brown and immigrants. I can't remember anyone from any from 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 our schools in the like 15 years that were there that came over to our house. Do you know what I mean? It just wow, was not right. something that was. And my parents both, my, my mom worked a ton, you know, she was working two, three jobs a week. It was a it was a real true immigrant up and bringing, you know, upbringing. There was embarrassment about that. You know, maybe I'm putting that. I don't want to say that for my mom and my dad. Was, maybe even for me, just like there's just an embarrassment as a child. And, and you know, then. I remember when Khomeini died, you know, there we were, I remember someone saying there, there was like a gathering and I remember someone saying something to the effect of, um, of like, um, still say that you're Iraqi. Iraqi. Because at the time, Iraq was good with the United States. Yeah. And then a couple of years goes by. And then the I've heard Italian. Like, I Don't say heard... Iraqi. <laughs> I've heard Italian. I have not heard Iraqi. Yeah. Now it's a no. Then it went straight Italian all the time. Italian, Italian, Italian. 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 Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, it was a little bit, you know, there was, there, so, so in that respect, there wasn't. But I was being brought up with the heart of what is our culture. Yes. The beating pulse of what is infectious uh, and not just to our, you know, group of people, but to family members and other, you know, friends that are not Iranian that come right. into the community. And they're like, I want not only but I also want a little bit of that kind of, you know, mentality. Yeah, definitely. OK, so that was the childhood. And then where uh, bring me to like college, what you majored in. When did you get this idea of doing acting? Like with this upbringing, you know, one I like I said, my brothers are much older than me, and right. he, my, my oldest brother, who's a, a mortgage, he has a mortgage bank. He was a mohandes, he was an engineer. Okay, uh, he got his degree in engineering, and my other brother was a doctor. So my parents a little bit had a bragging rights, and and part of that upbringing was making my family laugh. I love doing that, uh -huh. and then in these you know predominantly rich neighborhood. There was so much emphasis on the arts. And I started just going to those things. I was in ESL classes to like fourth grade and reading was really tough for me. But making people laugh or reading dialogue wasn't. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that led to me being in high school plays and a bunch of them and like being in backstage a lot. And then I just told my mom and my dad, I just said, I don't want to, I just don't want to do this. I don't want to be a doctor. I'm going to try this thing. And, you know. Their eyes got big and, you know, yo, with a couple of like, yeah, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And and then I went to Indiana University. I didn't get it. That's the other thing. 
I didn't get into any school where I had to audition. Okay. I didn't get into one of them. And then my, my, my mom says, and I'll say a little bit of this in Farsi. She said, she said, Yanni, I was like, no, mom. Yeah, they don't, they don't want me. Anybody here? No, they don't, they don't want that. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, that like, holy shit, my mom's face went, oh my God, I'm going to die. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, but I got to be positive somehow. Yeah, yeah. So so basically to translate, she said, none of these schools want you. They don't want you for Yeah, for she was really confused by it. And you had to be right. like, no, no, none of them, none of them wanted me at all. And they're like, no, but for acting, they didn't want you for acting. They're like, no, <laughs> they specifically did not want me for acting. <laughs> Um, and then I went to Indiana University and my whole entire life changed. I, I, I ended up doing 15 plays there in four years. 9-11 happened during that time. And Tom Ridgely and I, who was my best friend in college and one of my best friends now, um, he and I were starting to realize, this is so crazy, but in like 2000, we started to realize before 9-11 that theater's job was not about fame and acting and fortune. Theater's job actually from our time to the Greeks times to, you know, is about change is about helping society change through art. And for some odd reason, our 20 year old 2000, this is in 2000, we were so addicted to this nine 11 happened. And then we just dedicated our entire lives, Layla and all your listeners to changing the world through art and art education. And that's kind of how I brought me to New York. And in 2002, we moved to New York City and we formed Waterwell, which is a nonprofit organization that I co-founded that is an art and art education company that tackles huge civic-minded questions in like a beautiful artistic form while bringing in community members. And we've been doing that for 20 years now. Amazing. And, so, um, and before we get to the acting stuff, I do want to say, mention this. The company now is two-pronged. Uh, over a million dollars. Um, we teach 250 students a year at the, or so students a year at the Professional Performing Arts School in Midtown Manhattan. We um, also are an art art production team in which it's run by the great Lee Sunday Evans, our artistic director. And we do shows that like tackle the questions of today, but without being polemic or without like trying to feed the left or the right, anything really sh- going into the messy really going into like what it feels like to like be in the messy side of things. And after 20 years of doing that kind of like civic minded, socially conscious work, we really are, you know, it's like a real industry leader in this type of form. And so I just wanted to say that, that really, even though the exterior feels very actor heavy, the 90% of my day is, is based on Waterwell and trying to bring this type of like civic minded art to the world. And Luckily, history is bending towards us, not away from us uh, as those first 10 years, even though the work was really strong and, 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 the, and the community building was really strong, huge building in the community of, of, of the Iranian community in the tri-state region. Um, and even though all that was strong, it wasn't popular. It was in a popular form. And now right. that's kind of taken its own shape. And along the way, even though I didn't phrase it like that back in the day, Tom and I didn't phrase it like that. We definitely use the Iranian good thoughts, good words, good deeds in right. our practices. Um, we would talk about it at 25, 26 years of age of like, 
that's really a great way of thinking about things. And for those that might not know, that is a Zoroastrian like teaching. But that's wild. That's actually like the basis of like my work. That's how I think of it as well. Like whenever I started, I was like, okay, this is, I always think of that. It's always going in the back of my head. It's kind of a constant script. Yeah. And I use that in not only um, making decisions on the artistic side at Waterwell or the education side at Waterwell, but we also, I use that in how I pick the art that I want to do, you know, and I get, you know, and when I was 25, I, I'll tell you a fun story about Iran as well. Okay. 25, Waterwell did a show called The Persians, a comedy about war with five songs. The Greek uh, author Aeschylus wrote a play called The Persians, which is the oldest like, play in the, in, in, in the modern world. Okay. And we adapted that into this Rat Pack show. And Thursday and Friday nights, Layla, was Persian night. Wow. In which we would teach the audience, uh, sold out audience every night, like swear words. I got signed. It was so fun. But it was also a play about what the war was at the time. But it was also a play about what Iran has lost. It was also so like messy was all of these messy things that was all tackled. In 2005, I got signed by a really big agency. And at that time period in 2005, the only roles for us were terrorists or victims. Yeah. I don't know when it was, but early on in those conversations with a really high powered agency, I really kind of set the, the bar and said, you know what? I'm not doing terrorist roles and I'm not doing victim roles. So I really didn't work in film and television. And I just did theater, theater with Waterwell, professional off-Broadway stuff. And that led to me doing a play called The Bengal Tiger at the Baghdad Zoo, which moved to Broadway and starred myself and Robin Williams. And I was nominated for an Tony Award. And I was the first Iranian nominated for a Tony Award. And at that time period, I was really dedicating all of my life to Waterwell and like really picking art that was just, or trying to pick art that was really trying to move the needle on, on, on what we, who we are as people and, right. and what, what we're supposed to do. And that kind of led to, you know, more and more theater and more and more theater and some film and TV, but not much. Waterwell started kind of blossoming. Um, we started running the school. I started making my own art because no one was buying the right, the, the movies that I was making. So I made right. my own independent TV show called The Accidental Wolf which right. is nominated for a Tony uh, for an Emmy award a couple of years back and all this while. And then I did a play on uh, called the humans on Broadway, which won the Tony award. And then the succession people came and the rest is history. Oh my goodness. Okay. I just so, wanted to get to like all of that. So we can well, talk love, about other things. No, no. I love that. Cause it, it shows like I can now see the clear connection between how you grew up. Uh, you saw so much, you were in this world. And then you got to college, you did the acting thing, but you didn't go down paths. Like there wasn't a path for you. Like you didn't have a precedent. There was no one you could look up to. Right. You only had Shohara. And you know, I love Shohara more than life. Who doesn't love Shohara? But I'm not a 50 at the time, whatever. I'm not an elderly Iranian immigrant. You know, it's not a, a, a career I can resemble. Right. But you forged your own path. And then through doing the work that you loved and that felt meaningful to you, then that's when all these projects picked up and all of a sudden you are everywhere. <laughs> and also, and also really, you know, uh, I was on the show called love life. Right. And yes. Sam Boyd, the too, amazing yeah. showrunner of love life. He and I talked, I was like, can we make him Iranian? He's like, absolutely. And he listened <laughs> Keon. to <me>. Keon. <laughs> yeah. And same with um, succession, right. you know, Jesse and I had this long conversation because he wasn't sure if he was or not. And I was like, make him Iranian. And I told him, like, here are the four ways that he could have come to this country wow. and become a billionaire. 
And I, we ex- talked about it. Maybe. And then I said, I never want to talk about this on this show. Right. Because they just need to like know it and not know it. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, part of where we're at also is, is you just have to be comfortable with me being in a room and not leading with the fact that you're scared that like my the script <laughs> on my shirt that says Baba June is like scary. We, you just have right. to like stop. You have to demystify these things for them. And part of it is just being in the space. And that's that's exactly what comes across in your interviews when you say, because I'm an Iranian immigrant, this, this, this. And they go, OK, so tell me about this. You know, it's in the background of everything that you do, but it's not the central talking point. Yeah, we're complicated people. We have a lot of things. You know what I mean? We are we're very Iranian. Our culture is inside of our DNA and our blood. Right. Like and 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 we're proud of it. I mean, right. Iranians are really proud of it. But we also love basketball and we love Beyonce's new album coming out. Right. And we also, you know what I mean? Like we both these things coexist. So now let's talk about I have a um a also a series called Raising Nimrunis, and you have two Nimrunis. So tell me about, uh, like, when did you meet your spouse? Can you tell me her background and then your children and how you guys are raising them, if they are familiar with Iranian culture or what's going on there? I, oh, I love this. Um, I do. I have two. I have Olive June and Ivy Shireen. Um, <laughs> nice. They're, they're 11 and 13. They both go to Farsi school here in New York Interesting. City. The Paradis? Or- Paradis. Okay. Um, and they've been going for about five or six years now. My oldest daughter really understands about 60 or 70% of it, okay. which I'm really thrilled about. It's really, <laughs> it's not like newspaper stuff. Getting her to speak is really, really hard. And getting her to understand that she's making progress in writing is also really, really well, hard. Well, tell us your, the background of your spouse as well. Okay. My wife, her name is Chrissy Shields. She's a Jersey girl. She and I met doing a show at Steppenwolf and and um, called Homebody Cobble, written by the great Tony Kushner. And um, yeah, we've been together for a long time, and 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 we've had two. We have an eleven and a thirteen year old. So she's American. She's an American Jersey girl, Irish, you know, daughter of pipe of a pipe pipe fitter. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, so then they're half I- Irish American. Uh, yeah. Line. Okay. So then the, your oldest understands about 60% and then your youngest. Youngest is, is, is less. It's just because when you have three in a household, two people can, t- you know, can do the Farsi. When you have four, I need another person to like speak. And so her much <laughs> less though, she understands my mom, you know, whenever my mom says stuff to her, you know, like, you know, she can do all these things, but it's, 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 you know, something that we have to, you know, the hope would be that we go to Iran for a bit or the hope would be that we can go to, you know, um, spend a summer or my mom can spend a summer here, you know, something like that to really Im- immerse them because I know how it is. I know how yeah. like easily it can like the road can be slippery. Right. Well, do so, you think And because Chrissy is white, she's like a person that I can't rely on to like speak Farsi with. You know what I mean? Right. So I need, so so what we do is we watch a lot of Iranian movies. We try to, at least okay. um, most of the time they're, you know, I'm like crying, <laughs> at, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, um, but, but we also listen to Iranian music and listen to Iranian audio. We try to like do as much as we can to just immerse them in it and, you know, surround them with it all because I really think something to be proud of. Right. Right. And like you said, you have like elements in your room and, do y'all do like Nooruz and all that kind of stuff too? 
do Nowruz, we do Caesar Bazaar, we do um, Charsham Basuri, of course. Right. We do them all. I mean, there's not that many. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's basically it. And what do you think about the language? Like, do you think it's important for them to know it? Is it important to pass it along? Why? Well, I think, first of all, you know, selfishly, I think as I figure out myself, you know, my relationship with the language, it's, um, I think it's, a. this is going to sound so conceited, but it's true. I think it's an, it's a very beautifully constructed language that I think it actually makes a lot more sense mentally on how words come together. Um, um, and how, so I think internally, I actually think it forms a lot of my own writing of like the simplicity of idea and thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, um, the pasfardo, pasfardo, uh-huh. right? Three syllables, right? How do you say it in English? The day after tomorrow. <laughs> the day after tomorrow. I mean, oh. yeah. it's, like, it's like a lot going on there. And construction-wise, pasfardo is like a, such a, like a w- great way to use your brain that I think is, that I think I think about in a very nerdy way. And I think that my kids can learn from, and I try to like instill in like, look at how simple this thought is. And two is, you know, this is thousands of years that we're passing down. Mm-hmm. Thousands of years that are passing down. And, you know, as, as we all know um, from, from college, you know, liberal arts colleges, if you went to one of those um, is that, you know, languages are just going away, away and away and away. And, and with the, the advent of the phone and Google Translate, I mean, they might just might as well just disappear rather quickly. And so, you know, why why waste all that? And I want to say uh, the phrase that you're saying, like the uh, there are some words like that, like you can translate it as like, say good things, you know, do good things. But then that word nik to me is like good is kind of in a way like judgmental you know what i mean it's yeah, a, yeah. like there's it has an a, opinion on it it has an opinion Nick does not and there's no translation for that word so it's just like i've tried to do it i'm like it's say well things i don't know like it's just yeah there are these words i, I, I love, love those words exactly love those words and it's i mean layla we're gonna be friends forever because i'm at my <laughs> upstate place here in new york in the catskills and yeah. we call this place Nick. ah oh, wow yeah, that's yeah, really cool. It's true. I believe in that good thoughts, good words, good deeds. That's how I think it's, again, I try to find the simplest form and that, that does, it, does it for me. Good thoughts, good words, good deeds. And, yeah. and that word neek is just, yeah, good doesn't even do, yeah, good has an opinion on it. It does. It has a moral judgment. Yeah, neek has, yeah, it's just, it's deep. <laughs> it's just deep. <laughs> Yeah, and it's Undes- just so Neek, it's so short. It's just like a world of uh, meaning behind this short, short word. Hello, Layla here with a quick break to tell you a bit more about Trying Conversation. As I say in the interview, this project began over 11 years ago as a language learning platform, but also as a way to teach about Iranian culture in a relatable and accessible way. We have several courses to teach the Persian language on our website at tryingconversation.com, you can also follow us on Instagram to get bite-sized lessons every day. That's at Chayan Conversation. More details after this episode. Let's get back to the interview. 
Um, so I guess to kind of wrap up, what is your uh, relationship with um, the Iranian community now? I think I have, I have, yeah, I mean, I have a deep relationship with the Iranian community. Like I seek, I because it wasn't available to me, mm-hmm. you know, in Chicago, because there wasn't that many. And, you know, I think immigrants understand this as well. Just because there's a bunch of Iranians living in Chicago, that doesn't mean that they're your, they're your tribe either. Right. You know what I mean by that? Doesn't mean like yeah. you get along. Right. Right. <laughs> just, right. I mean, just like every community. Um, you like Americans just being like, oh, you're American. So, <laughs> so we're best friends now, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so finding our tribe there was also kind of tricky as well. But my relationship now is we have a bunch of Iranians in New York City that I invite to every party at Waterwell. I try to invite into all of our homes. I try to, we all try to get together. Um, the Iranian, you know, the other night, this, this, we had a premiere of a movie that I, I, uh, that we kind of made at Waterwell called The Courtroom, which is a reenactment of this one woman's deportation case. And we performed it at, we performed it in a play first. Um, And then um, we did a movie version of it um, that was just premiered at Tribeca. I'm the writer and producer of it. And along the way, when we were doing the nonprofit, I would go to the Iranian community to help me sponsor parties. I would go to the Iranian community to come and see what this type of Iranian art is, even though it's not about an Iranian. Interesting. Um, and they would come and recognize that what they were seeing, even though it, the, the, the words and the context were not about Iranian people, but was an Iranian idea, is really powerful to me. And that community shows up. And I like to show right back up to them as well, if they you know, want me to. So this premiere night, we had a, the amaz- amazing... Shireen Nashat was here. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Majan. Yara was there, I saw. Yara Elmji. <laughs> yeah, Yara was there. Yara was there. And it was a beautiful a moment of just all of these Iranian artists being in the room and just enjoying a piece of an art that was kind of <clears throat> co-created by an Iranian with Iranian upbringing and feeling, but not, a, not about Iran necessarily. Right. Um, and so I find myself really trying to take that responsibility on, you know, I feel we've been bastardized for so long. And I feel like all these Iranian artists job in a way is to kind of like reintroduce us to the world. What you're doing. Right, right. Try in conversation. That's what you're doing. You, you are right. you are showing the world that we can just have some tea and talk. Right. <laughs> You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And and that our ideas are beautiful and pure and and messy and wrong and complicated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not a, we do not we're not like the we're people. We're just right. regular people. Um, right. So I find myself deeply trying to um, amplify that even on my um, on my social media feeds when I yeah. find Iranians doing something that's really powerful to me. I find it really inspiring and i think i think about their obstacles that they went through some way worse some way easier it doesn't matter right. like we are still pushing that narrative forward so right and it seems like there's a lot of momentum right now a lot of it's happening in new york it's very exciting uh, i did visit a few weeks ago and i was just like man what this it's like exploding everywhere i mean i think we've all been uh like you like just quietly working like i began this project 11 years ago and uh, it's just like quietly working, working, working. 
And then all of a sudden, like, it's just building momentum. Like, there's some great energy in the air. So I usually end by asking what your hope is for the diaspora for the future. I think you've kind of answered that. But if there's anything else you want to add to what you've just said. I hope we live in a world where we can freely go back to our homeland. Right. You know, I really hope we can go do that because it means uh, I know it means a lot to you and it means a lot to me as well. Taking our kids. Yeah. So that is one hope that I have. Right. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. I learned a lot and it's very inspiring. And (laughs) You as well. For 11 years, you've been doing this kind of work and just know that we all appreciate you so much. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. And I look forward to that succession coming out and everything else you have in the works. I'm sure there's a lot to, to see. And uh, where do people find out more about you? I know that um, you have an Instagram page, uh, the Waterwell Theater. Can you tell me? Yeah, go to Waterwell, waterwell waterwell.org. You can see about our nonprofit, what we do on that side. Um, You know, if you believe in the work that we do and you want to be, you know, I say this to everyone and, and, and you never know if you believe in the work of this kind of change that we're doing and you want to be a part of the team, look us up. Give us an email, info at waterwell.org. We're looking for people that believe in good thoughts, good words, good deeds. Okay. believe in art changing the world. I'm there. (laughs) Thank you so much, John. John. Until next time. Bye. Thanks again for listening to this conversation. Hope you enjoyed. If you'd like to hear more interviews with prominent Iranians or check out our short, sweet, and enjoyable language lessons, you can find us on Instagram at Conversation. You can also check out our Persian language course on our website at chaiinconversation.com with chai spelled C-H-A-I. There you'll see our conversational Persian language courses, our reading and writing course, and we even have a course on Persian poetry. Also, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss more important conversations like this one. This week's interview was edited by Chadwick Wood, and our theme music was written and performed by Babak Rajabi. I'm your host, Leila Shams, and until next time, Khuda Hafiz. <laughs> <laughs>